Well, good morning. This is your first time with us. We'd like to welcome you to Redwood. Uh, we're just a group of people who are trying to be more like Jesus. We try a little bit more every day, and we try to uh, learn who Jesus was and how Jesus walked and how Jesus interacted with other people. And in the process, we hope that maybe we can become a little bit more like him. We're in the middle of this series called Greater Than. We are looking through the book of Hebrews, actually this letter uh, to the Hebrew people, many of whom uh, are, are former Jews, are now Christians following Jesus, living in Rome, kind of in the mid-60s AD, uh, coming under mounting persecution from uh, the Roman government, also uh, persecution from uh, the, the Jewish people as well, trying to encourage them or, or uh, get them to, to turn back to their Jewish ways. And uh, this letter is just a letter of encouragement, a letter to uh, keep them walking the path they've been walking now for a little while. Uh, And we talked about how this letter is broken down kind of into sections, and in the first section, the writer really paints a picture of who Jesus is, and and talks about Jesus being greater than, than what you think he might be or what you've built. And then he starts into this section painting the picture that Jesus is greater than any way that you might go. And so he talks about the why. Why should you follow Jesus? What's the benefits of following Jesus? And now we get into the last third or so, the last quarter or so of this letter. And the writer kind of points it in a little bit different direction, starting to put a bow on it a little bit. Because today we're going to look at a bigger piece of scripture, but it's bookended by kind of two verses that are very similar. He's going to talk about endurance today. And so we're, we're getting kind of in the very end of chapter 10, all the way through the beginning of chapter 12 in Hebrews today, looking at endurance. What does endurance mean? What does it take to get endurance? What does it take to keep endurance? How do we as Christians endure our walk with Jesus? And in between is chapter 11, the substance of our endurance. Now, last week, you might remember, I, I got up here and, and talked about kind of being a shadow and, and put on a baseball uniform and a hat and had the, you know, the bat, even had the stirrups, I had the whole nine yards. Today, we're talking about running, and running is, uh, you know, incorporated with track. So I was going to come out here in a pair of track shorts today, <laughs> and my wife told me no. Um, and um, so you can voice your displeasure to her after the service, or, or you can tell her thank you, whichever you prefer to do. I don't, that's up to you. But across this, this piece of scripture today, we're going to look at what it means to endure, and how do we as Christians endure. Again, like I said, there's kind of bookends on, on this, this whole chunk of scripture today, because this is one of the challenging things about walking with Jesus. We see a lot of people come to Jesus, and they start on this path with Jesus, but they don't make it all the way through. They drift off, or they fall off, and today the writer is imploring or begging his readers, his listeners, to stay on on task. So this starts in Hebrews 10, 36, and it bookends to the beginning of chapter 12. 10, 36 says this, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then if you flip over the page, or if you're on your phone, you scroll a couple of of slides over, the beginning of chapter 12 starts this way. The writer says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. What does it take to gain endurance? Many of you know uh, my story. Before I got into ministry and moved out here, I was a high school teacher, and I was a high school soccer coach. I coached high school girls soccer for five years. Now, this, this past week back in Oklahoma, preseason officially started. So as of about, I think it was uh, Wednesday, the 15th, you could officially start playing preseason games. And in about a week and a half on March 1st, you can start your regular season and play your regular season games. And so uh, actually last night, the school that, that I used to teach at and coach at, they played their first preseason games yesterday. But yesterday was not the start of, of their buildup to their season. That's when I coached, we didn't just trot our players out there the first time in February that we could. And it didn't even start back in January. Middle of January, you can officially start practices with no time limit. And it didn't start that day either. We didn't trot our players out there that day and start getting them ready for the season. We started back in the middle of August, the first day of school. Back when it's 105 degrees and there's 80% humidity, we start then. We've got our girls on the track running. We've got our girls up in the weight room lifting and and running sprints. Uh, We've got our girls at a pool, swimming, laps, just building endurance, building strength. See, soccer is a game of endurance. If you don't know much about it, depending on your position, the average player runs somewhere between six and nine miles during a game. Not only runs six or nine miles, but it's a pretty heavily contacted sport. So you run a 100-yard sprint, get hit and knocked down, you got to get right back up and run another 100-yard sprint back the other way, depending on your position. And you've got to do this the whole game. And if you follow sports, you know that sometimes the most important part of the game, when you have to make the biggest play, the most important play of the game comes not at the beginning when you're fresh, but at the end. A good friend of mine is a basketball coach at that school. He's been there for almost 20 years coaching. He has his players run sprints up and down the court during practice, then step to the free throw line and shoot. He said the most important free throws come when they're exhausted. So they need to build up their endurance. So that's what the the, the endurance is all about. You've got to build it up. But as a Christian, what is our endurance built on? It says we need to endure, but how do we do that? This is kind of like a sandwich, this, this, this piece of scripture. So we've got endurance at the top and the bottom, And in the middle, the substance of all this is Hebrews chapter 11. This is known as the faith chapter. In fact, 24 times, the author is going to use the word faith. If you you were to look at the old Greek, he's going to use the word faith. Because faith leads to endurance. A stronger faith leads to a stronger walk and a longer walk with Jesus. And the author starts off chapter 11 not necessarily with a definition, but with just a strong foundational basis for what faith means. Look at chapter 11 of Hebrews. He starts it off this way. Verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Other versions of the Bible might use words like confidence or substance or evidence or reality, but it all begs the question, how can you be certain of something you can only hope for? How can you be positive to to form a conviction on things that you cannot see? That seems a little contradictory. 
See, I think often we assume that faith has to do with certainty. We wanna, we wanna know for sure something that we can trust. That's kind of where, where our, our hopes and trusts are, are founded, right? And some people will tell me, well, the opposite of, of faith is doubt. I disagree with that. I think faith and doubt are walking on the same path. They're simply reactions to what happens. You don't know what's around the next corner. You can't see what's coming next. Faith presses on anyway. Doubt pauses for a second and investigates a little bit more. See, I'm going to say this. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. If I know for a fact something is going to happen, I don't have to have any faith with that. I don't have to have faith in gravity. If I hold this pin out here and I drop it, I don't have to hope that it's going to hit the floor. Because the only way it's not going to hit the floor is if it hits something else anyway. But it's going to drop. That's not faith. That's certainty. That's knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt what's going to happen. But yet on the other side of that coin, faith also isn't just, it's not opinion. I could ask Don or I could ask Jerry, what's your favorite restaurant in town? That doesn't mean it's fact, but to them, that's what they believe. Faith somewhere in between. Faith is not necessarily knowing what's in front of you, but knowing what's come behind you. Faith's knowing what's happened to this point. See, this verse claims that, that faith, he uses two words here to talk about faith. And he says that it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. The first word he uses here is translated as assurance. It's the assurance of things hoped for. Assurance in this this context basically means a confident expectation based on the reliability of a person. So in other words, you see here somebody say, you gotta trust me. You gotta trust me. Now once upon a time, you could kind of trust somebody until they proved you otherwise. In our society, that's kind of flipped now. You don't trust somebody until they prove otherwise. The other word he uses here is the word conviction. That's how it's translated here. It's the conviction of things not seen. I don't know if anybody's a, a fan of legal dramas on TV, you know, if, if we have any Law & Order fans or, or anything like that, but if you know anything about courtrooms, you know if somebody's on trial, for them to be found guilty, they have to have evidence to prove what it is that person has, has done. And so think of it in the exact same terms here. To get a conviction, you need the evidence to prove something. But here it's telling us the evidence of things not seen. Now, could you imagine if I'm a trial lawyer and and I'm trying to prosecute somebody, I'll say, look at all this evidence here. And there's nothing on the table. No, no, it's here, it's here. You just have to believe me. But I don't actually give you anything. That's kind of the, the, the mindset the writer is putting out here. Faith is trusting what you don't know. It implies that you can't possibly see or know exactly how everything will play out in the end. I like to think of faith in terms of of marriage. Uh, Jennifer and I have been married now almost eight years. Before we were married, we were friends for a while. We'd known each other for a long time. Uh, About a year, a little over a year, before we got married, we kind of got into more of a, a deeper relationship in our friendship, sort of talking, having deeper conversations, and really getting to know each other. And somewhere along that line, from talking to, to dating, you know, you have those official steps you take, but uh, when, when you change your Facebook page and, and you make it official, <laughs> somewhere between talking and dating and getting engaged, we realized not only did we love each other, we were in love with each other. 
and we wanted to spend our lives together. And so we got married. And I remember June 27th of, of 2009, I'm standing on the stage, the yeah, crowd's full, I'm watching my bride walk down the aisle, and all I'm thinking is, man, I love this woman. Man, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with this woman. Let's be honest, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait for a few hours from now. <laughs> Just be clear. Guys, guys in the room, you've thought the same thing. If you didn't, you're lying. You know what I wasn't thinking? I wasn't thinking, I wonder which of her habits are going to annoy me five years from now. <laughs> Let's be honest. I wasn't thinking, I wonder if she sleeps in the middle of the bed. I wonder if she's a cover hog. I wonder if she wants the room hot or cold at night when we sleep. I wonder how she's going to want to arrange stuff in the kitchen. Is it going to be the same way that I would want it arranged? I wonder how she's going to want our towels folded. Is that how I'm going to want to fold? I wasn't thinking those things, but you understand those are some of the little things that happen in marriage that can cause friction. Some of the littlest, dorkiest things can cause friction. Here's the thing. Here's my whole point with this. When I was standing on that stage that day, I couldn't possibly have known what was coming in the future. I couldn't possibly have known what would get in the way of our marriage. I couldn't possibly have known how parenthood would change us or, or how our families might change us. All I knew was I could not wait to start my life with my new bride, just her and me in our house. And I knew that our love was strong enough that nothing else mattered because we were willing to, to stay together and make a commitment. See, unlike soccer, you don't get a scrimmage. <laughs> you don't get a preseason tournament. Nope, season starts. You're, you're going. And that's how faith kind of works. See, I didn't know what our future held. And I knew that we had only been on an intimate relationship level for about a year. I couldn't possibly have predicted the next 50 years because of that. But because I could see how our relationship had gone over that year, that gave me the hope for what I couldn't see. That gave me that conviction, that evidence of what I didn't know. Throughout the rest of chapter 11 here, the, the, the author makes that claim. In verse two, he talks about how your faith isn't simply blind, but instead of what you can't see ahead, sometimes you have to look into the past at what's already happened. He says this in verse two, for by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. Now again, he's talking to the Jews here, so he's going to talk, when he says the people of old, he's going to talk about the heroes of the Old Testament. So over the next 30 verses, he's going to mention 16 people by name, 16 specific Old Testament heroes, and 21 times he's going to use the phrase, by faith, to explain what it was they did. Just, you can scan through this, but here's just a list of some of the people who trusted God by faith, having no clue what was coming in front of them. Verse seven, God tells Noah about a major flood that's coming and tells him to build an ark. So Noah does it in the middle of a desert without rain, without water. Verse eight, God tells Abraham he'll receive his inheritance, but he must go to a place he doesn't know. He says, leave your family, leave your kindred, and, and leave the place of your father's. And the writer says here that Moses, or that, I'm sorry, that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 11, he tells Sarah, you're going to have a child, even though Sarah's past the age of having a child. Verse 17, with Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac, 
He, this one son he's been promised for years, God tells him to sacrifice him. And he goes up the mountain, and Abraham's saying this, God will provide a way. Verse 22, Joseph speaks about the eventual exodus, knowing that, that the Israelites are gonna be enslaved and then set free 300 years before it actually happens. Verses 23 through 29, he talks about Moses and uses the phrase by faith five times, knowing that Moses would lead the people out toward the promised land, having no idea where it was or having no idea what it was going to look like. He just knew that God was gonna lead them there. And then in verse 30, or 31, he talks about Rahab, the prostitute in Jericho, how she's guaranteed safety if she helps these people who are coming in to destroy her land and destroy her home city. And God uses those phrases by faith all those times, saying these people trusted me because of what they understood and knew about me. That's faith. They had no idea what was actually coming. They just had to trust me because they couldn't see it themselves. And yet we live in a society, even as Christians, where we demand proof. We want to know we're not going to sink before we step out of the boat. We're not willing to just trust God and go with it. We want to see what the end is going to look like before we get on board. And like I said, that, that even happens in the church. We're, we're a, a skeptical society now. And God wants us to trust him. God wants us to have faith in him. Look back to that first bookend of this passage in, in chapter 10, verse 36. When the writer says this, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. What's the will of God for us? What's the will of God for his people? First Timothy 2, verse four says that God desires all of his people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. First Thessalonians 4, Paul writes that God's will is for you to be sanctified, for you to, to get purified and walk in relationship with God. Following God's will, that's where we need to have endurance because it gets tough. It's difficult sometimes to stay on that path with God. It's not easy by the standards of the world. Jesus understood this when he gave us the command in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 13. He says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. What do those narrow and wide gates look like for us? Well, the wide gate that's easy, that's doing what's comfortable, that's doing what comes easy to you. Maybe that's even even following a God that that allows you to live however you wanna live, whenever you wanna live, wherever you wanna live. You use your time and your energies and, and your resources and your abilities for your own benefit or maybe just the benefit of a select few. But that narrow gate that's hard, that a few people walk on, that's surrendering all of that to God and saying, God, all of my passions, all of my energies, my abilities, my resources, they're yours for your kingdom. Heard a quote one time that said, if following Jesus is easy, you're probably not doing it right. Following God is hard. Welcome to the walk with Christ. Christ doesn't promise us an an easy road. That's what makes things like the prosperity gospel such a dangerous theology. But what about on a more personal level? 
You know, I can, I can live outside where other people see me in a certain way, but what on an own personal level? What about my own personal free time? How do you spend your own personal free time? On the couch, maybe watching a ball game or binge watching on Netflix, maybe on your, your phone or your, your iPad playing games, or maybe just browsing Facebook or social media nonstop. Uh, or maybe you're just, you're reading books, but they're just novels. They don't mean much of anything. Do you spend it instead maybe in your word, pouring into God's word every day? Do you spend it one-on-one in prayer time with God? Do you spend it maybe reading a book by, by an author that, that, that dives into scripture and breaks it down more? Do you download podcasted sermons from other churches and other pastors and listen to them throughout your week? What are you doing with your personal free time to build your own spiritual walk? The author gives us an idea with that. The end of this passage in Hebrews 12, verse 2, at the end of verse 1 and verse 2, he tells us what we should be doing. End of verse 1, he says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. See, I've noticed this. The more I'm around a certain person, the more I start to act like and be like that person. If I'm, if I'm around Jerry all the time, I'm going to start talking like Jerry, acting like Jerry, walking like Jerry. I need to be like Jesus. And for me to do that, I have to spend time with Jesus. I said that at the beginning. At Redwood, my hope is that we are striving every day to become more like Jesus. Because if we're like Jesus, then we're going to be like Jesus in our world and in this community and in this valley. We're going to be the representation of Jesus for those around us. And this says right here, he's the perfecter and the founder of our faith. Running with Jesus, fixing your eyes on him, it's only possible through daily worship, daily prayer, and daily study with Jesus. As a church, we believe that statement so much. We believe that thought so much that we have decided to make an investment into your spiritual lives. We have partnered with a group called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is essentially like the Netflix for churches. What this is, is this is a website with thousands and thousands of videos, thousands of study series. And we have partnered with them to give you all this gift. As you would get on here and scroll through here, there's, there's study series and they're broken down by categories and genres. There's a men's studies or there's women's studies. There's studies by famous authors or pastors like Francis Chan or Kyle Eidelman. Uh, there's, there's marriage series. There are series for finances or, or there's a whole huge section for kids that is very kid-friendly to get on and, and mess with. You stream this on your computer, you can get it on uh, your, your tablet or your phone. It's a, it's a free app you can download to get onto it. You can uh, use a, a device like a Google, Google Chromecast or Apple TV or a Roku and stream it to your TV and watch it there. The best part for you guys, this is 100% free for you. This is something we as a church believe in so much that we are giving to you all. All we have to have is your email address. Now, if you are one of those that, that does the C-mail card each week and you get our, our email list, you get our, our prayers and praises every week, you probably should have already gotten an invitation for this. If you didn't, you might go check your junk mail folder and make sure it didn't slide in there on accident. If you do normally get our emails, 
and you didn't see this, and it's not in your email anywhere, let us know, and we'll take care of it, because we want to make sure you get it. If you're not on our email list, we want to make sure that you are able to get this. So grab this email card before you go today. Make sure your name and email address are on it. And down here in this blank space, just write in big letters, Right Now Media. This is something that, that uh, we want you to have. You'll get an email in the next few days from them. Probably will have my name on it, so you'll know what it is. This is what it's for. It's a free sign-up. You can use this however you want. My hope is you use it for your own personal growth, your own personal study time, because there are so many invaluable resources on here. See, my hope, church, is that we continue to take our next steps forward, deeper into the pool, deeper into a mature walk with Jesus. And, and one of the ways you do that is through your own personal time. See, endurance is necessary for this one reason. Endurance is what keeps you pushing forward. Endurance is what helps me take my next step. Faith is what helps me take my next step even if I can't see something there. But endurance keeps me going forward. Endurance means that you've equipped yourself in a manner where giving up is not an option, where you're pushing forward to the end. Pastor Rick Warren has this great quote on endurance. He says, endurance develops every single time you reject the temptation to give up. It means trusting in God for the things that you cannot see because God has been faithful in your past for the things that you can't see. Here's your takeaway for this week. This week, change one habit in your daily life that will help you develop a stronger faith in God. What do I mean by that? I mean, start with 30 minutes. Find 30 minutes this week to spend more time in your Bible. Maybe, maybe that's one episode of a TV show you don't watch this one week, so you can spend 30 extra minutes reading your word, or 30 extra minutes reading a Bible study, or, or, or watching something here on right now. Spend 30 extra minutes in a conversation with another Christian. It doesn't even have to be a deep spiritual conversation, just a good, solid conversation with another Christian. Take 30 minutes, that's all we're asking for, and do something that you would have normally done over here, and instead, do it for your walk with Christ. See, my goal, again, is that you train yourself. See, endurance, there's two parts. The first part is you have to train. I mentioned that my athletes, they had to train to gain endurance, but then number two is they had to stay conditioned. Once the season started, we didn't stop conditioning. We just had it on a more maintaining level. I have some friends who are runners, and, and they started running 5Ks, and, and eventually they're running 10Ks and 15Ks, and then eventually half marathons. And when a half marathon's over, they don't just you know, kick it back and go lay on the couch. They keep running. Three or four nights a week, they're running five to 10 miles around our neighborhoods, up and down the hills, staying in shape, getting ready for their next race. My challenge to you today as we move forward, maintain, grow, stay strong, endure. Let's pray. Father, we are, God, so thankful for the letter of encouragement that we have, God, that we can just grow our faith, Father, that we can maintain our strength, God, that we could, could grow to become more like you. God, it's my prayer that we would always strive to become more like Jesus, the, Jesus, the founder and the, the perfecter of our faith. So God, I ask right now, whoever's here, if they would 
they, they would find encouragement in this room, find encouragement in their families and in their, their, their home lives to take that next step. God, to endure, to keep walking forward. God, I pray if there's somebody with questions that they would come into our path so we could help to answer them. God, I pray if, if there's somebody whose who's faith is wavering, Lord, that we could, could be the light to help them endure, to help keep them on the narrow path, God. Lord, I just ask that your hand be upon this body today as they move forward. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.